So early on, it was just, it was a gathering. I think in the newspaper, it said um, uh, a a gander polling or something of that nature. And if you've never seen that before, that's, I guess, whenever somebody rides a horse and they they go, you know, chasing after a goose that's at the end of this rope and they, you know, kind of pull on it, I guess if you get its neck, then you win. So I, I guess it was a quite the festival, even from early on, 142 years ago. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. And this is Scott Jennings. Thanks for listening to Flyover Country. I am joined tonight by Sean Southard, Kevin Grout. Mr. Crawford is here. We have a mystery guest, which we'll introduce in just a moment, but I do want to say Joe Arnold is not with us tonight. He has the week off because he's gone to St. Louis where they had terrible flooding. He has family there, and uh, some of his family, uh, unfortunately, uh, was caught up in that flooding. So Joe's out helping his, his people tonight, so we wish the uh, the Arnold family the best over there in St. Louis. They got a ton of rain. They did, Oof, yeah, yeah. Terrible. But, um, but by him not being here, our pop culture coolness will go up by like 100 <laughs> 100, that's right, that's right. Um, so uh, in lieu of Joe being here, I'm going to host my own show tonight i mean what is this world coming to when you gotta like host your own show instead of just sit here and hit batting practice but i'll 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 do the best i can but we are going to have a special guest tonight because flyover country is about politics from a middle america uh perspective like we're we're not beltway people we're we're squarely middle america uh political observers and there may not be a better middle american political event than the St. Jerome Catholic Parish Annual Church Picnic in Fancy Farm, Kentucky. It's commonly referred to as the Fancy Farm Picnic, but it does take place at a Catholic church. It's all for charity. And there's a lot of things that go on there that have nothing to do with politics. But what everybody knows about is the political speaking. And it's been going on for 142 years. And tonight on the show, we are honored... Uh, to be joined by Stephen Elder, the political chairman of the Fancy Farm Picnic at St. Jerome's. Mr. Elder, joining us live from Western Kentucky in the Jackson Purchase. Thanks for being on Flyover Country tonight. Yeah, thanks for inviting me and excited to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you because uh, we want to give you a chance to talk to our uh, listeners about the importance of this event, and especially uh, in light of the fact that Graves County, where Fancy Farm is located, and communities, uh, Mayfield, of course, is the county seat. Fancy Farm's uh, a city, uh, a town in the county, but Mayfield's the county seat. And and everybody knows Mayfield was devastated by a tornado uh, last December. Western Kentucky was devastated by a tornado. This is the first Fancy Farm since that's happened, and I don't know. Look, I always say Fancy Farm is, um, it's important for Kentucky. It's important for West Kentucky. It's important for rural Kentucky, for politicians to come and and talk to the people in in rural America on their turf and on their terms. But I think it's it's even more important this year. Stephen, how how is the community in Graves County, Mayfield, Fancy Farm doing, you know, a few months now into the recovery after those, uh, after the terrible tornado? Yeah, it's it's slow. I mean, you know, the tornado that comes through your town and your county uh, um, devastates all of downtown, your historic buildings, your county government, your city government. Uh, it's quite disarray. And so cleanup is still ongoing, but certainly trying to um, 
to, you know, get, get back to life as normal, really, as, as normal as you can be. But uh, it's going to be a long struggle, a long battle, and um, people here are resilient. So we're, we're going to build back and um, and and have a have a better community for it. But uh, so we're excited about the picnic. Excited to get things uh, back to normal and, and bring people into town. But also, really, as a as as to see our community, what it looks like after a tornado, and continue to kind of focus that spotlight on how much need we still have. So it'll be good to have our leaders down this way. Let me ask you a question about the Fancy Farm uh, picnic grounds. If you've ever been out there, um, you know, obviously it's, 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 out, it's a few miles outside of Mayfield. I was in Mayfield uh, the next day um, w- uh, because of my job with CNN, and then I was up in Dawson Springs where I'm from, and, you know, my, my – family's home was destroyed there but i was there in in mayfield in the immediate aftermath and the destruction was just really unfathomable i did not come out to fancy farm that weekend did can you tell us about what happened out at the at the church grounds was there much damage out there the way we saw in downtown mayfield or was it was it uh not as bad yeah no so so not as bad as also it kind of came through the fulton county and then uh uh, kind of south um, of, so you've got Fulton and you've got Fancy Farm that's just immediate west, and so it, it kind of just went diagonal through the county, kind of followed the Purchase Parkway, the I sixty nine that's there now, and it just cut through the heart of Mayfield. So it didn't hit many other small little towns throughout Graves County, uh, fortunately. And so, um, no, Fancy Farm wasn't damaged at all, which is just about eight miles outside of Mayfield. A lot of people in Graves County uh, come into Fancy Farm uh, for this picnic. It's kind of a homecoming for people who who have moved away, and and uh, I mean people from all over West Kentucky, all over the state, all over the region uh, come in for this. Maybe uh, Stephen, just talk to us about the history of Fancy Farm, the tradition, uh, how many years into this we are now, and and how we've evolved into the event that we we know as the Fancy Farm picnic today. Yes, yeah, so it started, you know. Back in 1880, um, as a small Catholic gathering, uh, Fancy Farm uh, was was uh, a Catholic community, still is, and it was a way to bring people back and, and have a little picnic. And so they started, um, you know, cooking meat. Uh, first, they started just digging a hole in the ground and would uh, would cover cover up the meat that way, and then come back in the morning and. and they said it would happen down by the creek. Well, the creek's not really there anymore, but that's about where the the, the pits are that we that we built later. But um, so early on, it was just it was a gathering. I think in the newspaper it said um, uh, a, a, a gander pulling or something of that nature. And if you've never seen that before, that's I guess whenever somebody rides a horse and they they go you know chasing after a goose that's at the end of this rope and they you know kind of pull on it. I guess if you get its neck, then you win. So I, I guess it was a quite <laughs> the festival even from early on, 142 years ago. And Stephen, can you just but give I us a quick? Can you just give us a quick the, uh, um, a lesson on why don't you do that? today i mean i sort of feel like this it would seems be like it lost something i mean there. i sort of feel like you'd have like a hundred thousand people there if you did that today. probably so and i'm not sure the kind of people that you'd want to see <laughs> and hurting animals and things like that so because I, I, I don't know maybe the maybe the goose was still alive whenever that was happening i'm not real sure but um 
but so anyway that we my, my family's been involved from from that uh from the very first one um I, I can trace my roots back to the folks that come through fancy farm and i always say that my my great 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 grandfather was john jefferson elder and he married my whatever that is great grandmother in 1880 and so it's very possible that their first date could have been the very first fancy farm picnic because just the way that the way incredible, that all that line incredible romance. But, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so my family's been there for a long time, and, and it kind of it kind of got to um, you know I guess Happy Chandler you know started the whole political uh, part of of fancy farm because he realized hey you know look at all these people here I ought to get up on this stump and start speaking. And um, and so he kind of made it popular, really. He did, and I guess in the fifties and sixties, and then it just kind of grew from there. So they started bringing a flatbed out uh, in the front side of the picnic grounds and uh, invited politicians to come down. And back then, you can look at the old newspapers. I mean, it was a it was a democratic event. I mean, uh, you know, you know, there weren't any Republicans, I guess, in the whole state of Kentucky. I'm not sure back back fifty or sixty years ago. So. It was a big, a big party um, to, to bring out those blue dog de- Democrats that was in Western Kentucky. And so then uh, there's a little, little uh, known guy from Jefferson County that decided to come down in 1983, 1984, <laughs> and um, and really kind of change change the history and in the course of what it is today. And I, he talks about that how you know maybe there was over a, a little bleacher section there. Of, of Republicans that whenever he first got up and started speaking, there just weren't, there wasn't many there. And, and it's certainly what it's grown to today uh, probably is, is attributed to, to Senator Mitch McConnell. So, um, but it's still, we, we try to have a good fun event, uh, try to keep it middle of the road um, for both sides to enjoy themselves and have a good time, eat a lot of barbecue, play bingo and, and uh, try to raise as much money as we can for St. Jerome. I got to say, one of my favorite traditions is chowing down on some of the mutton sandwiches that they make, and then uh, washing it back with a uh, ice cold sun drop. Oh uh, yeah, which sun is drop, a, which is a, a West Kentucky delicacy <laughs> as well. Steven, can, look, look at he's, he's having one right now. Look at that. <laughs> Authentic. That's uh, I mean, that's it's all that's that's just that's all we drink, and luckily they have diet. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's even better. It's coming out of the faucet down there. Right? So, so Stephen, I mean, you know, one thing that, that Fancy Farm, it does, the picnic gets a lot of attention for the political speaking, but it is a fundraiser for the church. Can you speak a little bit about that? And can you also talk about, I think that people are interested now, especially with, I mean, you're the political chairman. How are decisions made uh, when it comes to uh, who gets to speak? Uh, every year, and, and can you kind of talk about that structure of you know maybe an off year election versus this year where we have uh, we have a Senate race and next year we have a we have a gubernatorial race as well. Yeah, so from the fundraising aspect, I mean every every family has a booth. Um, so again, my family's been involved in the meat by the pound for for generation after generation, and so we make probably about forty fifty thousand dollars. Uh, just in that single booth by selling the meat. Uh, then you've got an ice cream booth. You've got a bingo booth. You've got um, uh, the Sundrop hamburgers booth. So, and then all all the all the kids' toys and stuff like that that go into that. And and so we probably raise, I don't know, last year it was three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars wow. for the church. And so and so that's great because that means I don't have to give that much throughout the year because I can just make <laughs> sure you guys spend all the money. And we still make we. Still, we still meet budget, so I appreciate you guys coming down and doing that for the church. 
Um, but you know, we do, it's all volunteer effort that all of the families give their time and effort, uh, to, um, to make this happen. So we're, we're very blessed and we're here to serve. That's, that's the other thing that we always say at Fancy Farm and our priest uh, makes that point is we, we, there, our parishioners are there to serve the folks that are coming in. We want to welcome those people. Uh, we want them to have a good time. We want them to spend money, but ultimately we're there, we're there to serve. But each each group, each committee um, has those different booths. And in a quote, I guess the political stand is also a booth, even though I don't see any money necessarily exchanging up there on the picnic uh, uh, grounds or stands. But so we have a we have a committee, a very small committee. But um, traditionally, it's always been just the elected officials. And so it's all by invitation only. It's 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 not kind of a free for all, but. Traditionally, it's our senators, our congressmen that's in our district. And we've also always said if they're on the ballot in Fancy Farm, we want them to speak at Fancy Farm. Because every once in a while, you'll get somebody from the, you know, 6th Congressional District that'll say, hey, I want to come speak at Fancy Farm because it's on KET or something like that. And I just don't think that that's probably the best forum for somebody, you know, on the other side of the state. But for uh, a statewide election, we try to um, get folks you know, on, on the stage and, and, and that's willing to speak. Each year is starting to be a little bit different. Um, notably, as I just mentioned earlier, uh, you have more Republican office holders than you really ever have. Um, and, and the fact that we do have a Democrat governor, uh, lieutenant governor, you know, that's, 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 there's that side's opportunity really to speak. And if they miss that opportunity or don't want to take that opportunity that kind of messes me up so you have to get creative in trying to feel quote that other side and i remember i think it was uh mr jennings there whenever he was mc a few years ago he he kind of got him riled up and said you know okay all the democrats you're over here let me hear you all the republicans over here let me hear you and so you want to be able to say all the democrats over here let me hear you um, because that's what makes it exciting, and that's what we're trying to do. So, we've we've added a few non-traditional uh, speakers, probably to the to the slate. But at the same time, you kind of you give so you give so many minutes. Most speakers have three to five, you know, minutes or so, and so you want the program to run about an hour, hour and hour and a half type thing with with comments because it's all shown on KET. I can't have a four hour show, just like you probably you guys probably wouldn't want to have a four hour show. So that's that's kind of how all that plays in um, into effect, and it's it's changing, it's ever changing. But I want to taking taking this over from Mark Wilson, uh, uh, the person who was the political chairman for 15 years prior to me. I want to acknowledge and kind of change with the times if it if it uh, calls to do so. And I, I think if, if someone's never seen or been to Fancy Farm before, it's important to know these aren't just you know policy speeches. Nobody's getting up there and reading off you you know boring. Stump speech. Well, some people are. Some people are. And they, <laughs> but it is it is raucous. It is loud. The crowd is involved. They're shouting at the other side. And some of these politicians get up there and they try to be funny. For some of them it works. For some of it doesn't. It's I I mean it, it's so out of their element for a lot of these these straight laced people. Um, has it always been like that? It, it, what what encouraged that? And then. I mean, you know, somebody's fallen on their face before. I'd, I'd love to hear your best fall on their face memory. Not as funny as they wanted to be. Oh man! Well, um, <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess first, has it always been that way? I think so because I think you can go back and and read the newspapers 
and and the Democrats, you know, years and years ago, they they this this they were battling out for the primary. And so they they were jockeying for position. And, you know, one would make fun of, uh, you know, you know, somebody that had too much money. And, and the other one would say, well, you know, I'm I'm just a good old boy from from wherever. And so, you know, it's just there was all kinds of that always going on. But they did it in really good humor. You know, it wasn't it wasn't out of meanness, I don't think. And I and I still think that's that's where we are today. Um, one of my favorite memories is is whenever uh, former Governor Steve Bashir took took a cell phone and he took a selfie of, of him and Mitch McConnell sitting over his right shoulder. Mitch McConnell was just just laughing, you know, had this big smile on his face, you know, and it was the retire Mitch party, right? That was right. That was that slogan for that year. And so and so obviously that didn't happen. And then the next year, uh, Senator McConnell had that picture printed out and 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 Steve Bashir was there and and he says, Well, here's here's this picture you took and, and he had it signed and he said, you know, Senate majority leader, Senate leader, you know, I'm still around and you're the one, you know, you're you're the one that's gonna retire and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, enjoy so, your retirement. That's right. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, I think they put their arm around each other. Now where do you see that at? I mean, you're gonna you're not gonna see their arms around each other or appreciative of each other. That was a wonderful moment of what Fancy Farm is exactly supposed to be about. You you have fun, you 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 get a few, you know, jabs in there, but we're all Kentuckians. We all want to we all want to see what's best for for Kentucky. But that that really is what Fancy Farm is. Um, but I do remember whenever uh, uh, Jack Conway said, I'm a tough son of a you-know-what, and I don't know if you can say that on this show or not. but <laughs> Yeah, it's that, the internet, man. That, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> we got low standards here. <laughs> we haven't been canceled yet. So When that happened, I was like, yeah, I thought that was – I was like, oh, my goodness. That's – you know, like Wendell Ford probably could have said that and actually got away with it. Right. And that's that's one of those things where somebody could say something and it would just kind of be okay. But when he said it, and I guess maybe the way that he said it – and I know that's one of the more popular ones, but that was a big – that was a big oh, no, you know, and uh, would have made a good TikTok, I guess, if TikTok was around back then. But, <laughs> um, so – so those those are those are two really fun memories that that I that I enjoy. So this year, let's let's preview what's going to be on the stage this year. Obviously, in Kentucky, um, well, you, as you mentioned, you always invite the governor. He has chosen to skip it for the second straight year uh, in lieu of going out of the country. Uh, he's going to the Middle East. Uh, do you know why the lieutenant governor of Kentucky is not coming? Because I would have thought perhaps if Bashir isn't coming, the governor. He might have sent his lieutenant, but she's not coming either. Yes. Yeah, no. She, she, uh, her, her folks reached out to me uh, this past week and said that they uh, uh, they weren't coming, but they were going to be in, in Western Kentucky the week of. So next week they're going to be here. Yeah. And um, hmm. you know, I guess I can say that ticks me off. You know, on y'all's show a little bit. I, I mean, I, that's probably not politically correct, but you know, it's like you're, you're going to be here the week of. Just you know. Planes fly every day, right? So you can go whenever when you need to go, or, or, or you know, don't don't miss out on this tradition. And and that's, I've tried to be very cordial uh, with with both sides, and certainly have appreciated the governor and what he's done in Western Kentucky with this tornado relief. And I really felt like he could have probably taken a victory lap there if he wanted to. 
And uh, but I, I'm, he's going to be here for the Rotary Club next Monday on August the first. Um, the 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 picnics first Saturday in August. It has been forever, and you know. I, every time I would ask when I would be around him, I felt like that he was positive of coming to the picnic, but ultimately, you know, again, it's their choice. I, 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 I get, I get what they are, are wanting to do or trying to do, but just a missed opportunity. I felt like that he could have, uh, he could have came. Yeah. I think the Lieutenant governor is going to be as useful to your picnic as she has been to the Bashir administration. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's, let's go down the list. So you've got no governor, no Lieutenant governor, sadly, uh, U.S. Senator Mitch McConnell uh, is, uh, I think, pending the Senate being in session, but plans to be there as long as the Senate's out of session. I think the same is true for Rand Paul. Is that correct? That's correct. I, I heard from from Rand uh, Paul's uh, campaign today that they felt like they were they were pretty confident he would be there. Um, yeah, he, he obviously wants to come and wants to say yes that he's confirmed, but. Ultimately, he, he could he could have to you know go vote, but but they're they're expected to be done maybe Thursday of next week. So if that works out. I, I feel pretty good about both of our uh, senators. And Rand Paul's in a race. He's on the ballot this year, and his Democratic opponent Charles Booker uh, of Louisville is confirmed as well. So there will be a Democrat statewide candidate for office on the platform. Uh, name, but and, and I don't believe Charles has ever spoken at Fancy Farms. So this will be his uh, his inaugural appearance. Yes, he will absolutely. So we'll have him, and then down the line. So you've got the U.S. Senate race, which I you know I think most of us acknowledge is you know Kentucky in twenty twenty two is is a heavily lean Republican. But to me, the marquee thing about Fancy Farm is whenever it comes within proximity of a governor's race, and we have a twenty twenty three governor's race coming up in the. We know Andy Bashir's running for re-election and won't be challenged in his party's primary. But the Republicans have already a robust primary shaping up. And you have most of the viable candidates for governor coming. You've got the Attorney General Daniel Cameron. You've got the Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles. You've got the Auditor, State Auditor Mike Harmon. You've got State Representative Savannah Maddox, who is confirmed, and she's announced candidate for governor. I guess the only person that isn't going to be there, and she's not yet an announced candidate, is uh, former U.N. Ambassador Kelly Kraft. But most of the Republicans who are circling this race uh, have chosen to come to Fancy Farm. To me, I think that's what a lot of the crowd is is going to be looking for, to see how these folks perform. They've all, uh, other than Savannah, I think, they've all they've all been on the stage before. But now I think the pressure's up and the stakes are a little bit higher than they have been in the past. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think the governor's race is something that people are going to look forward to. And uh, two two things, I, I don't ever want to correct. You know, this is your show, right? But you know, I'm I'm supposed to be the expert. No, no, things. by all means, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding with you. But when you said Ke- Kelly Craft wasn't coming, I really hope she comes. I she, just meant to speak. I meant I meant speak, she's not speaking. Uh, yeah, I hope she comes. Oh, as I well. got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Got you. So yeah, no, I ho- hope she is. The second thing, and this isn't obviously not a correction, I'm just picking at you, but Savannah did did come last year, and she was on the stage. And so um, uh, Representative Heath uh, introduced me to Savannah. And so Savannah has been making, I guess you say she's been making those rounds of, of getting out and meeting people for, for quite some time. And so that was very appreciative. And that's, 
I think that's I enjoy those state representatives and state senators who maybe wouldn't have any other reason to come into Western Kentucky to come and join us there. So, um, so yeah, she she came last year and 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 certainly looking forward to her speaking this year. Do you ever have? And I, I think I've seen some people like this on the stage before. Do you ever have former or retired? Uh, officials come. I, I think I recall seeing Paul Patton uh, down there, former governor before. I think um, well, when when Ryan Quarles spoke uh, as MC a few years ago, he recognized all previous agriculture commissioners. They were all up on stage with him, including uh, the Alvin Barkley uh, and a couple others. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, a- anyone like that? Yeah, I remember uh, that. I thought that was, that was a that was a good time. Anybody coming? Uh, any any former statewide officials that you know of coming this year? Like I'm, I'm specifically fishing about Matt Bevan because he's obviously <laughs> yeah he he doesn't he didn't love this tradition uh, well, but he may be making this race. You know um, I haven't sent any invitations out for that, but I, I will say t- t- two things. One, and that's probably what's a, a little disheartening. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Bevan he he didn't like Fancy Farm necessarily, and I, I get why you don't like it, but you know. You, you got to figure out how to like it, I guess. And then, and then too, it just seems like Andy, you know, our current governor, he doesn't like it. So it seems like the last two governors have, have tried to figure out maybe some ways as to not hold on to that tradition. And I really hope I, I want, I want governors to want to come and want to do that and, and whatever I need to do to make that happen. Just, you know, kind of give me some pointers here, but I, I, I want that tradition to continue. Um, the second thing that about Matt that I that Matt Bevan that I thought was always interesting is I remember I guess it must have been right after the primary when he got beat or maybe before that I, I can't remember but he was he was there in blue jeans and like a blue jean long sleeve shirt just walking around like who is who's this guy over here and just I think he might have even just been by himself just you know I was like what. Well, that's kind of cool. You know, he's still, he's still coming down to fancy farm. I don't know if he even talked to anybody. And then like the very next year he was the governor. So I, I never know what's going to happen. At fancy farm. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember the year he came, I guess it must've been 2013 because he was, he was going to run against Mitch McConnell in the primary for the United States Senate in 2014. And so the decision was made to let him speak in 2013. And, uh, and obviously that, they caused some ripples <laughs> throughout <laughs> Western Kentucky, but then to your point, he lost that primary handily, and then turned around and became uh, became the governor uh, the very next year. So, uh, as it relates to this year's event, anything special that people need to know about coming down this year? Um, obviously, there's there's stuff going down in and around Fancy Farm on all weekend long. Anything you want to let potential attendees know about uh, about getting down to this year's picnic? You know, a lot of people ask me, well, how much does it cost? Well, it's free. I mean, that's, there's nothing better than that. So there's no tickets. There's there's no parking uh, that you have to worry about it. You know, you, we, we do want you to spend some money, you know, buying Sundrop and, and some barbecue. But other than that, I mean, we you know, come on down. You know, I have seen kind of festivals and events over the past uh, a little bit. Um, maybe somebody, maybe some folks are still kind of concerned about COVID, and I get that. I understand that. It's an open, open-air event. Uh, you're under a pavilion, but um, it's a it's a great time to come and see their tradition if you've never seen it before. Um, hopefully, we'll have good weather. Sometimes it rains. It's probably going to be hot, but um, no, n- nothing other than just you know come on down and 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 spend some time with us. Saturday, August the sixth, first Saturday in August, Fancy Farm, Kentucky. The start time is the official picnic time is ten a. 
p.m. We start selling meat at 8 o'clock in the morning, but uh, official time is 10. Political speaking is 2, all of it central time. All right, so we've got uh, uh, 10 a.m., get to the grounds, take advantage of the picnic stuff, and then get ready for the political speaking. If you can't go, uh, KET always broadcasts this live uh, every year, so you can watch watch that. But but I really encourage people to go to this. There's really nothing like it. It's a lot of fun. Take your family. When I was a little kid, my granddad and my dad would, would bring me down, and uh, it was a great honor in 2016, Stephen, to be the MC of this event, and it's been a great honor to have been part of it in some way uh, via campaigns or as a speaker or, uh, you know, uh, my company, Run Switch Public Relations, where we, we are tonight. You know, we provide a uh, service to the media who covers it. We have a bus that we park behind the stage. It's a place for them to file their stories, and, and we have extra Wi-Fi back there for them. Glad to, glad to do that every year. And we, we just we love the tradition, and, uh, and we love it that um, there just aren't too many places in American politics anymore where politicians from both parties – speak from the same stage to the same crowd. I mean, most political events these days are people speaking to only their supporters and uh, and in very, very controlled environments. Mm-hmm. And right. this is the opposite of that. This is an uncontrolled <laughs> environment where uh, you do have to deal with uh, with the other side. But it's great fun. The barbecue is terrific. And, uh, and we encourage everybody to help bolster the fancy farm tradition. Stephen, any last words for us tonight on the podcast? Yeah, well, uh- I, I can put a shameless plug in there for you, but yeah, the bus is fantastic, and I appreciate you uh, um, uh, bringing bringing that there. I mean, that's that's a nice nice thing for it. But every, every year, I'm thinking, oh, he's finally going to run over that Happy Chandler tree back there, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or cut so it down. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Before you go, and uh, because you're a special guest on the podcast, we put everybody through this. We have a famous Flyover Country with Scott Jennings podcast, Lightning Round, Kevin yeah. Grout. Short answers, rapid fire. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. The strangest spectacle you've ever seen from the crowd. From the crowd. Oh, my goodness. Um, I would say say, um, the guy who dresses up like George Washington every year. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a hot suit. (laughs) That's a... I see that guy too. All Your right. favorite part of the picnic that's not the political speaking? It's got to be the meat stand, man. We've been there for for a hundred years. Love it. Hey, he's trying to raise his money for, right. his, for his family over here to win the competition. <laughs> Aside from Scott Jennings, who would be your dream MC from anywhere, anytime, any place? Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I love it. Amazing. Have you ever thought you would see two of the speaking opponents come to blows? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you care to tell us who? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I can't tell you probably who. But yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you see it in their eyeballs. They they want to throw down. And how much mutton do you eat in a typical weekend? You know, again, being being I can go in and out of the meat stand, I kind of I get little pinches at a time. So there's absolutely <laughs> no telling how much I I pinch off and put in my mouth throughout a day. It's probably a safe way to keep it. And that's the lightning round. Well, before you go on the meat, just one more. How many pounds do you make? every year it's about about 20,000 pounds so in, uh, in, in 1980s mid 80s they had a they had they submitted it for the Guinness Book of World Records and we were in it for one year and uh, then someplace down in Texas beat us out but um, it's a lot of a lot of meat uh, a lot of pork a lot of mutton man 20,000 pounds of barbecue and 
20,000 one-liners. The Fancy <laughs> Farm Political Picnic, Saturday, August the 6th in Western Kentucky. I've, I've already heard from one national reporter, Stephen, that's uh, coming down that's never been before. So uh, we'll have a little bit of national media attention this time around. And it's, uh, it's a good thing for folks to see. Thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. We love you, brother. Thanks, Stephen. You guys. All right. Take yes, care. Thanks. All right, that was Stephen Elder from the Fancy Farm, the St. Jerome Parish Fancy Farm Political Picnic. It's coming up next Saturday, August the 6th. He's the political chairman. Stephen's a really good guy. If you yeah. go down there, you should meet Stephen. And you should also find Mark Wilson, who had the gig of political chairman for many years before Stephen. He finally retired from it. But uh, th- these guys have to do a lot of work to pull off this program. I mean, I've, I've dealt with it now for you know 22 years and as a as a political operative in a few years as a reporter beyond that and and it's this is not an easy thing to, to pull together a lot of a lot no, of lot yeah. goes into it it's a lot of a lot of time a lot of work a lot of effort and i mean i just love you know seeing somebody like steven he's a younger guy i yeah. mean you know he, and he's he's taking part in this tradition giving back to his community and and we need more people like steven elder doing this sort of work in their communities so uh, you know this makes me want to i know there's like current event stuff we could talk about <laughs> but now now i kind of want to reminisce about oh, yeah. my favorite uh about my fate, you know, my my first one as an operative was the two thousand fancy farm. So that was the Bush Cheney mm. versus Bush versus Gore campaign, and we <laughs> we dressed up we dressed up some volunteers as uh, the Buddhist monk. Remember the uh, the Al Gore fundraising scandal <laughs> mm-hmm. about like the Buddhists? So, mm-hmm. so we had these uh, and we had these guys dressed up as the as the Buddhists who were giving Al Gore. You know, they were, like, laundering these campaign contributions. I forget what the scandal was exactly. But anyway, Ryan Quarles was one of them (laughs) 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 who went on to become the uh, state agriculture commissioner. So that was a great one. Uh, I remember the year. Um, Wait, can I jump in yeah, right yeah, there? Because you raise a good point. It's like this is not just for Kentucky politicians, because national politicians have come to this event and have campaigned, have sent surrogates. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign sent uh, Kay Hagan. Kay or, Hagan in uh, 2016. And yeah. the Republicans uh, held up Tom Tillis signs while she started speaking because <laughs> right. she had already lost to, to Tillis at that point. Uh, but even even vice presidents have come and addressed this group. Uh, what's his name? Benson uh, came and addressed the group in the in the eighties, I yep. believe. And so, candidate, yeah, yeah, it was it really a, a vice presidential candidate. Yes, uh, but we had a vice president too. Yeah, Alvin Barkley. Alvin Barkley, yeah, was known to come to this event. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Stephen alluded to it, but Mitch McConnell always comes to this thing. He did when he was just uh, an unknown, you know, county judge executive from Jefferson County, and and he's obviously done it as Senate. Uh, Republican leader or majority leader as well. So um, it, it does draw, and it, and it often draws national reporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, during McConnell's campaigns, it often draws national reporters. And um, uh, during governor's races, it, it sometimes has as well. Uh, and I think we're going to have a few down there this year. You know, it's, it's interesting over the years, like the evolution of it to me, um, you know, it used to be really theatrical. Like you would you would have people in the crowd dressed up in costumes that corresponded to various things. That's gotten a little like that's not it's not as ornate as it used to be. I, I, I've heard every time there's a really cool idea that a campaign comes up with, then the next year the the picnic tells them not to do that or tells well, them not to. Well, what the, was year, the year with Ben Chandler that that that, that the dwarfs the dwarfs yeah, yeah. in 2003 <laughs> we happy had, Chandler. Dopey yep. Chandler, yeah. Sleepy Chandler. In 2003, Ernie Fletcher uh, and uh, and the Republicans coordinated this this seven dwarf attack on Ben Chandler, and we literally had the doors. Now I'm the one who found the costumes, and I had to course, go all over town to find the, uh, but I did it, and uh, and so that was a very theatrical year. The year okay. that um, 
McConnell in 2008 ran against Bruce Lunsford for re-election. You know, energy was a huge topic mm. that year. And <laughs> and Lunsford and the Democrats, of course, we were accusing in the campaign of being against uh, domestic energy production. Sound familiar? And uh, and that was the year of drill, baby, drill. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that? Mm-hmm. But we, we had that was the year we had the Arab sheiks for Lunsford who came down to <laughs> to praise and thank Bruce Lunsford for all the money that they were they were making him by a by a, instead of drilling in in the United States we were relying on uh, Middle Eastern oil mm-hmm. and so Amazing. now I wanted to bring a bunch of like camels and stuff but that got shot down but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm uh, sure APHIS at USDA <laughs> would have some huge yeah. problems well with let that. me just tell they you I, to eat them. I actually found in Missouri I think it was like camel rentals. And uh, and I almost had these things shipped. Wow! In. And uh, I'm not going to say who stopped me, but you know he's above my pay grade. So <laughs> anyway, that was a fun year. Um, the 2014 Senate race yeah. uh, with Allison Grimes and Mitch McConnell was a fun year. Uh, uh, the um, I think the 2015 governor's race uh, was a was a pretty interesting year uh, in my memory. Uh, I don't know. What about you, Kevin? You were involved in writing some speeches for these things over the years. Yeah. So when I was in I was in D.C., I got to help with uh, some of Senator McConnell's remarks. So I didn't get to go, but I would you know sit in my apartment and watch them. Um, the, he, there, there's nothing better than when a, a joke or a one-liner lands and the crowd loses it. It it, it feels great. I've, I've actually only been to two picnics, one in 2012, and then last year. I'm excited for my third one this year to really see a, a raucous brawl. I have to ask McConnell about this. I think he tells a great story about during the 90s yeah. where he brought up on the stage like a life-size cardboard, cardboard. cutout of Bill Clinton mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and was daring other Democrats to get their picture made with it. And then uh, I forget now who, but you know, there was a politician who was uh, like throwing things like footballs or something from the uh, from the stage out into the crowd so they eventually banned props. i guess props they, yeah, they on the stage mm-hmm. and so that so over the years the the rules have changed and i'll tell you the other thing that changed uh when i first started going there was no roof over it this the, the speaking was on a flatbed trailer mm-hmm. literally out in the baking sun and then they built uh this big ornate uh well ventilated with a fan like this big pavilion yeah. and so now whether it rains or not you can you can sit in a dry place and it's shady uh <laughs> Uh, but that changed the character of it a little bit because there was something about being out in that baking sun that really tested people's resolve <laughs> about just being there. All sweat day. dripping off. Of them I mean, as they were giving I their mean, speeches. just absolute yeah. drenched uh, some, within minutes. Some people are still getting around the no props rule. I think last year Jamie Comer brought a piece of uh, Hunter Biden artwork. It looked yeah, like a finger right. painting. Yep. So, somebody brought it up. That was really funny. Yeah, that 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 that's right. He did he did get around that. And uh, I didn't ask Stephen about this, but I assume they're going to keep up the tradition this year. Of if you overstay your welcome on the stage, if you go past your allotted oh, time, yeah. Yeah. they had some years they've had a bluegrass band mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. you off, and some years I think they've had yes. you know a music yeah. fill. Uh, but if you so if you if you're get five minutes, and as soon as five minutes hits, you're done, and that, and the music that's what <laughs> makes boom. it so hard to write for this yes, because yeah. you know. Five minutes when you're d- talking to a quiet audience is so different than five minutes when you're shouting back and forth at each other. It's really closer to like two and a half or three, and yeah. a lot of people don't get that. <laughs> yeah, the year the year that I emceed it, you know, Sean and I worked on my remarks together, and, and did I did a lot of rehearsals and um, a lot, a lot can, <laughs> can confirm. Well, you could confirm it by looking at the YouTube of it and seeing that I nailed it. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. But anyway, pretty good. But one of the things we were planning for was like how how long is this? But then. You know how much fill time do you have to to toss in there to to allow for the chanting, 
for the screaming, yeah. for the cheering, and and it's a lot. And and I will just say, having been up on that stage, it is deafening up there. I mean, there were times you cannot hear yourself. Like you open your mouth to talk, and you're not sure if the sound is coming out of your mouth because it is so loud. You just have to plow plan. ahead. I mean, and yeah. the other thing that, and I, Scott, I think this is something that you you said many years ago. But you know, you, you can't really win at Fancy Farm, but you can but lose. You can lose. <laughs> uh, you can and, lose. And so most of the time, what people remember is when someone flubs, yeah. makes a mistake, uh, and uh, those those opportunities are there just because of the deafening roar in your in your face as you're trying to deliver that speech. Yeah, the mistakes I've seen people make over the years have been in either misreading what they brought up or in trying to wing it. Mm. And I'm just <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's a rare talent who can wing a political stump speech anyway. But then you add in the pressure of Fancy Farm, the crowd, the venue, the, this, the, the end, time limit. The, it, it, it's, it's a rare person. And so, I, you know, people ask me, like, what should I do? How should I approach this? I always say, write a speech practice it a thousand times like go up there with a game plan and i just i've seen people walk up there with printed remarks and i've seen them like toss them <laughs> disregard and and the speech just turns into an utter disaster or you could be like Mike Carmen who actually does toss his speech out while he's giving <laughs> yeah. it like he'll throw his index cards his jokes out and Souvenirs. people catch him sort of David Souvenirs. Letterman style yes, yeah. it's really great i mean it's one of his like it's one of his shticks and people remember it yeah it's a little goofy what he does with uh, with his but but it's but it's also very endearing and right. folksy and so uh, mike mike really does embrace Jeff it Jeff Foxworthy right yeah he he's like, just yeah, kind of you our might be a he goes you might democrat. be a liberal democrat <laughs> if yeah, yeah. um yeah, some some people have really embraced this over, the, and some people just you know sort of slog through it, and and it, you know I don't know which of you mentioned it earlier, but it, it is hard to be funny. I mean, it's hard to be funny anyway, like right. just in a normal setting. But then when you throw in all the the X factors of it, it, it's it's and it's also hard to know when you're telling a joke up there if it's landing because no matter what you say. Fifty percent of the crowd is screaming and, and just enraptured with it, and fifty percent of the crowd is is in, is in agony over it. No matter what you say, I mean, it doesn't matter. And so, it's hard to like get the timing right because you just you just don't know how it's landing when it comes out of your mouth. And and most people actually don't ever see the speeches. They might read about it, mm-hmm. you know, like in the print. And the papers will print. You know, here are the best one liners of the day. So a lot of folks don't actually ever see it. So you have to keep that in mind. Uh, uh, when you're when you're delivering your remarks, and then some people just skip it all together and thumb their nose. I gotta tell you, this 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 Bashir two years in a row skipping this it really gets under my because in 2018, Sean, yes, I know <laughs> what you're about to say. The governor stood up on the podium and said, "If you're not willing to come down here and talk to the people of Western Kentucky, where I'm from, yeah, then you just need to move away from this state." Yeah, he and told you, that you can't be governor. He told that to Matt Bevin. Sure and did. Andy Bashir was the attorney general at the time, plotting a campaign against Bevin. And Bevin didn't like Fancy Farm. Nope. And Bashir chastised him. And now the shoe's on the other foot. And Bashir's now skipped it. And last year, it was really um, not only did he skip it, but you know he sort of led his party to boycott it. Yeah. Oh, and he, so thumbed under, his, he thumbed his nose at anybody the, who went under the pavilion. It, you know, the, the I mean, it really is sort of. The Democrats stand on the left, and the Republicans stand on the right. And that, that side of the pavilion was empty. Right. And and it it was wrong because as you heard Stephen say, this is a church picnic. It's a charity event. So the crowd that goes and plays the games and does the cakewalk and buys it, it's all it all goes to the church and and for charity. And so to lead people away from that, I thought was wrong. This year, 
the race is on. This governor's race has started. And for him to skip it to me, I mean, look, I don't begrudge anybody going on a trip to the Holy Land and, you know, to strengthen their faith. He said, I don't begrudge anybody. A, you know when Fancy Farm is. And B, right. you know, there is a church 250 feet from the stage. <laughs> well, right. And, and <laughs> I mean, it's literally right there. I mean, it's, you can see it, you know. Well, and the, and the fact Stephen said this tonight, he's planning to be in Fancy Farm, in Graves County at the right. Rotary. Yeah. That same week, and he, he apparently was able to make that uh, that decision many weeks in advance and plan his schedule. I mean, this was this is a ploy. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't apparently like the event. He doesn't want to talk to West Kentucky doesn't want to at this it. event. Yeah. And you know, I, I I think it's a real shame because it's yeah. it's really him putting his putting putting a kibosh on the whole entire event. And Stephen said this, and I and I I think it's true. I mean. He, he has a story to talk about, right. the recovery of Western Kentucky, and specifically that county from this tornado. He's been involved in it, and I'm sure he, he thinks he's done a good job, and I'm sure he has things he'd like to or could talk about. This is where you would do it. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't I get mean, it. I really don't get it. And to your point, Scott, he's, he's going to have one of his – probably one of his opponents is going to be up On there, the stage, right? yeah. Like, you know, it's not like the candidates who are running against him are all going to be at home, too, or aren't going to get a chance to be up there. Four of them are yeah. going to have a chance to be up there. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. It's it is it's upsetting. I, I you know they they canceled it twenty twenty yeah last year. You know maybe us in the room had moved. I forgot on from they COVID. canceled it in twenty. Yeah. So so Bashir yeah. has not been there since twenty nineteen. Yeah. So wow, he's I, not been there as as governor. governor. Yeah. Yeah. He went in oh, eighteen as attorney yeah. general. Yeah. yeah. And then in nineteen he was the nominee. Yeah, yeah. Canceled in twenty. Skipping in twenty one and twenty two. And uh, Jacqueline Coleman was there in, in 19, too. I mean, it was the whole, it was a pretty good slate. Yeah. And then, you know, COVID canceled everything in, in 2020. I remember, uh, I think it was Congressman Comer who, you know, was so upset that, that's his district for people who don't know, uh, was so upset it was canceled because he had this feeling that if they if people don't come for one year, they may never come back. And, of course, last year was still uh, kind of covid Wearisome for some people. I, I think uh, we, you know, the vaccines at that point. So I think reasonable people went. But this year is the first year where there's a statewide election. Uh, people are coming back. It's it's sa- it's safe as we'll probably ever be. And to to thumb your nose at it is uh, either way, stakes. whether he was there or not, there were going to be a lot of jokes at his expense and a lot of harsh harsh criticisms. He just gave them more fodder. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've written a column for the Louisville Career Journal that will be out in the Sunday paper and on the Internet before that, um, talking about the Democrat who has agreed to go, Charles Booker. Now, Charles Booker's running against Rand Paul. He's probably the most liberal, progressive Democrat to ever run for statewide office in Kentucky. He's also the only African-American to ever earn a Democrat nomination for statewide office in Kentucky history. Charles Booker is a gamer. I don't agree with any of his politics, but the fact that he is going to West Kentucky to this event, I mean, there's no votes down there for Charles Booker. He's going to he's gonna do poorly in, in rural West Kentucky. I know it. We all know it here. But he's a gamer, and he's going to go down there, and he's going to talk, and he's going to go meet the people where they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I applaud that. And it's necessary. It's necessary for both parties to do it. It's necessary for Republicans to talk to, you know, Louisville, where we don't do very well, and it's necessary for Democrats to talk to rural Kentucky where they don't do very well. And I think when Democrats boycott or try to you know, put the kibosh on this thing, what they're what they're they're fomenting the urban-rural divide that we have in this state. But 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 specifically for Booker, he is one of Kentucky's foremost African American 
Democratic leaders. He was in the state house. He nearly beat Amy McGrath in the 2020 primary. He's a talented guy. And for the governor of Kentucky and his lieutenant governor and to, to, to abandon Charles Booker, because the thing is, at this event, it all works together. So at this event, Mitch McConnell will talk about Mitch McConnell stuff, but he'll also uh, bolster Rand Paul. And uh, Ryan Quarles, you know, because Rand is on the ballot this year. So you'll see the Republicans, you know, Ryan Quarles. They're all going to bolster each other. If Charles Booker's the only Democrat candidate on the stage, who's going to bolster him? Who's going to stand up there with him and say, Charles Booker's a good man, he's got the right ideas? And then oftentimes the other members of your party play the bad guy, right? They right. play bad cop. And so, um, so. You would have you know one of your seatmates up there attack your your opponent. No one's going to do this for Charles Booker, and the person who should be doing it is Andy Bashir. Mm-hmm. Well, and but- to see him abandon Charles Booker this way, given the Kentucky Democratic Party's atrocious record of recruiting, supporting, and nominating black candidates in this state, to me, it's it's shameful. It's terrible. Again, I don't begrudge him going to the Middle East. I really don't. He wants to go to the Holy Land, fully supportive of that. I get it. I, I, I'm not. I'm not questioning his trip or why he wants to go, but I am questioning the timing of it. And I do think, you know, if all this chatter about him wanting to be a candidate for president in 2024 is real, remember, black voters in Democratic primaries matter a lot. Ask mm-hmm. Joe Biden how much they matter. Right. If I were those black activists. Uh, Democrat activists who who make up big chunks of say the South Carolina Pride. I would I would ask myself what's Andy Bashir ever done for black candidates when they've been on the ballot because I can tell you one thing nothing is being done for Charles Booker nothing's being done for Charles Booker and it takes a lot of courage to run for office as a Democrat in this state it takes a lot of courage for Charles Booker to go down to Fancy Farm and make a speech Andy Bashir's not lifting a finger for this guy no and he's, he's not he's dragging his feet even this week was the first time that he said publicly that he would endorse him and it, you would have when thought, was the primary hmm, hmm. no may may and what when he had another date that you, you tend to know about in yeah. advance and uh you know he then immediately had a, a unity rally with uh morgan mcgarvey the the nominee for the third congressional yeah, another ur- i mean let's be honest, another urban white liberal yeah right. just and, like andy Bashir. but but charles booker they had the unity event here in charles booker's hometown charles booker was nowhere to be seen um, he he. When he said he was going to endorse Booker, it was like he had just been told that he had to eat a bunch of sour grapes. He was not excited about it. He 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 does not want to be seen. I mean, let's just throw it on the table. He does not want to be seen with Charles Booker. He doesn't want. He does not want to help or be part of Charles. Now, is Charles Booker going to win? No, highly unlikely. Rand Paul's very popular. It's a Republican state. It's a wave election. But that's not the point. Politics is a team sport. Mitch McConnell went and had a unity event with Matt Bevan after Matt Bevan ran against him. Politics is a team sport, and I will just say, I think both parties in this state have a responsibility to cultivate minority candidates, minority voters, African Americans, Hispanics. Both parties have this responsibility. They bear this responsibility. This is the home of Abraham Lincoln. And the Republican Party is doing its job. Daniel Cameron is the Attorney General. Ralph Alvarado was on the statewide ticket. Uh, Dr. Donald Douglas in the state Senate. The Republican Party is doing its job. The Democrats are failing. 
The Democrats are failing, and now they've got a nominee in Charles Booker, and Andy Bashir is leaving this guy behind at one of the most high-profile political events. It's, I, I just I find this to be a shameful thing. And I look, I, I don't know Charles Booker well. I've met him. Very engaging guy. Don't think he has much of a chance. But if I were him, I would be hopping mad at the absolute lack of institutional support that I'm getting. I Look, again, I get it. These political operatives are cold-blooded people. They don't like to invest in things that are not, you know, that, that, that don't seem feasible. I, I've been in their shoes. I, I get it. But I think we all have a special responsibility here to do our part to cultivate African-Americans who want to participate in our political process in Kentucky. And I just say the Republicans are doing it. Daniel Cameron is going to stand on that stage and get thunderous applause from the Republicans, from Mitch McConnell, from Rand Paul. Up and down the line, he's going to be celebrated. And uh, Charles Booker, deafening silence is what he's going to hear from Andy Bashir. I'll add too, but Charles Booker has this, it's both this nonprofit, but has been sort of like a cornerstone of his campaign, this hood to holler initiative. This was, and the idea being that, you know, the, the people that I grew up with in, in West Louisville face the same yeah. damn problems that the people in West Kentucky do, right? It's like this very much like we need to get out to the holler and talk to them, right? And especially this week, uh, the comments from the vice president, the, the strange, her describing her blue suit. <laughs> Uh, the Democrat Party has this like really out of touch, like when we talked about this with the polling and Hispanic voters and black voters feeling like they're they're becoming out of touch with a, what was their base, right? And so Booker offers this opportunity for Democrats to go to a rural, you know, rural Kentucky or, or any rural part of a state and say like, no, we're normal. I, my family faces the same inflation problems, gas prices, grocery prices now. To your point, Scott, Booker's policy recommendations are not going to hit with these no. people. But there's that point to say, like, maybe... Well, it's it's it, there's a point. There's some basic human respect here. Absolutely. I'm yeah. running for the United States Senate, so I've come down here to ask yeah. for your vote. Yeah. Like, your vote I, I, matters. I, mean, I may never get it because I believe in... But, but it matters enough. And, I respect you enough yes. to come down here. You yeah. may not agree with me, but I respect you enough to come down here. And that, and that's what yeah. I that's why I think Booker well, deserves to be commended for. But yeah. also, like, again, for generations, Republicans have gone down there and and talked to these people whenever it was a Democrat stronghold. Right? I, mean, I mean, Mitch, Mitch McConnell, McConnell sat on the stage alone. alone. He sat there alone. And, and now, because the state has now formally flipped red... Uh, in terms yeah. of Republican voter registration, they're sad and they won't won't go do the same thing that we've done for generations. Then they're yeah. just giving up on the state. Well, not, they, not only that part of the state, but the entire state. They're saying we don't want to play. We're taking our you know marbles well, look, and it, going home. I mean, it's it's Andy Bashir saying the only way for a Democrat to win in this state is to fully be an urban candidate. Like we just got to run up the score in Louisville and Lexington and hope for the best. And I, I just think it's wrong. I, I think these I think these parties ought to campaign everywhere. I think Republicans ought to campaign in West Louisville, and I think Charles Booker ought to campaign at Fancy Farm. And I just I, I find people who are driving these divisions. These aren't partisan divisions. It's on purpose geographic divisions. It's on purpose circumstantial divisions. Like I don't want if you're from rural Kentucky, I don't want to have anything to do with you. That's the message, and it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong, and uh, and I hope the governor 
rethinks this next year. But based on his attitude about this the last couple of years, it, it, I think he's trying to kill the event. I think he is literally trying to make a church picnic go away. And I think it's wrong. Well, he's got a history of not liking oh. churchgoers. Just look at Easter <laughs> Sunday two years ago. The, the, I mean, and like, let's be frank. This is kind of what, what I think frustrates me the most is the like, uh, you know, Scott, to your point, I, I made this joke to Kevin today, like, Thanksgivings, we know, when, we know when that is every year. We know when Christmas is every year. We know when Fancy Farm is every year. If you cannot plan your schedule around it, it's it's like this, oh, well, but this is the only time we could go. I bet he skips Derby next year. I mean, it's just, it's it's offensive to me that, like, we couldn't make it type messaging. But let's be honest. There's members of the media. There's members of the Democrat Party. There's activists who are openly hate Fancy Farm. They think it should go away, to your point. Like, they're not, like... Oh well, it's not. Oh, maybe it should be somewhere else. Maybe this. No, like they'll write articles. Like Fancy the, Farm should go away. This, That's this, ridiculous. That's this ridiculous. is a cel- this this place is a celebration of free political speech. But they want it to go away because they don't think there ought to be an event where Republicans get yeah. to talk. I mean, let's just be honest. They don't. They're, they hate it. Yeah. They don't think. They don't think there should be events where Republicans can stand up and make speeches and get covered on the news. They hate yeah. it. They hate it. They hate it. Well, the, Repu- uh, the governor can't even walk down the hallway to talk to a Republican in the Capitol <laughs> building. I mean, the idea of him going to a, a event where there's lots of Republican activists, I mean, he, he's All right. Just wait till they find out. All right. The, the well, here's what we're going to do. Andy's not coming, so I guess I'll buy his portion of barbecue. So I always bring back a bunch for my family. I guess I'll buy double this year to make up for the governor. Who's going to buy Jacqueline Coleman's part? Wow, she's got a big family. <laughs> you cheapskates. Somebody, somebody I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, it. Sean's going to buy Coleman's part. All right. All right. And uh, and uh, I guess we'll we'll make sure that I'll buy an extra like three bottles of barbecue sauce. Too. Yeah, we'll make wow. sure Elder's family right. gets their gets their keeps yeah, their numbers yeah, up. Right. We'll, ta- we'll yeah. take care of you, Governor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, buddy. We'll buy your pork and mutton for you. I'm not going to bring it to your house, but uh, but uh, we have to register this oh. as a contribution to him at some point. <laughs> we have to leave it outside the fence. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. It's getting chippy in here. All right, look, I know there's a bunch of national yeah. stuff going on, but I really feel like I want to keep this show to Fancy Farm this year. Yeah. So, so uh, before we go. Want to do Scene Red Herd? Let's do Scene Red Herd. Okay. Kevin Grout, any Scene Red Herds for you? Uh, yeah, I I'm starting a book, but we won't talk about that. I saw this new study this week. Wait, well, why, why won't we talk about the book? Well, because I need to get a little further in. I'm okay, a chapter right, and a half right, in. I thought you were, like, <laughs> I thought I you were s- reading like Ibram X. Kendi or something. <laughs> no, then we would talk about it. Uh, I saw a new study this week. If you are over the age of 26 and live more than 100 miles away from where you grew up, you are classified as unusual. And oh, I was boy. looking around this room, and I think – I might be the only usual usual one here. I think the rest of you are living far. I'm a little over 100 miles. It's a little over 100 miles from Dawson Springs to Louisville. Yeah. I think I'm around the same. I'm around there. It's close. It's like yeah. 90 something miles. Yeah, 90 something. So this has just led led to a reckoning of, of where me and my siblings and others live. Um, hundreds, hundreds. hundreds. Yeah, right. Of thousands. So, yeah. so you're yeah. very unusual, but yes, we kind of yeah. knew that. That's fair enough. Yeah. All right. Okay. We need to take a moment and just have a moment of silence. For the Choco Taco. Uh, <sighs> Who's? Wh- I'm sorry. Who, when's the last time any one of you people ate? I've never seen one this. in the flesh. I, I, I don't you, know what this is. Are you not a Choco Taco? No, yeah. I would eat it if you brought it to me. I just I do can't you identify the last as a Choco you... Taco? That's what he just asked. You. <laughs> I've had it as a kid. I can't remember the last time I ate one. I'm sure I loved it. I've had one in like the last five years. I think yeah, I think that's right there. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's because you weren't buying enough of them that it went away. <laughs> so not to not to be like woke. I think this might be like a marketing. 
Oh, like they're going to bring it back? It's going to bring. I just think like you think they're going to bring it back. Well, wait, wait. Why would it be woke with marketing? No, I mean woke. Like I'm conspiratorial about the about the ending of the Chaco Taco. I mean, I mean, he's a he's a Chaco Taco denier. Chaco Taco. Well, the Democrats will probably the Democrats next. The drumstick. I mean, are they gonna are they gonna go after that? The ice cream Sponge sandwiches, Cl- Klondike bars, the push up pops. I mean, nothing is sacred. Oh, anymore. those push up pops! Now I eat a lot of those. <laughs> the orange guys, the Flintstone, yes. yeah, yeah, the, the Flintstone boy. Yeah. yeah. All right, so Choco Taco. <laughs> that's your. That, that's I'm a sad lot of, about this. A lot of outrage over there. All right, man. Um, so my scene, Red Herd, is also food related. I don't know if you guys saw the story this week. Subway is doing a promotion where if you get a tattoo. Of a foot long, like of a full size foot long Subway sub, you will get Subway for the rest of your life. I'm sorry, a tattoo. Yes. They want you to get so, so they're only like the actual sandwich is only like eleven and a half inches long. Is that how I long the tattoo it would have has to, to be? To be too? exactly twelve <laughs> it inches. To, so it has to be the actual size. Of yes. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but I saw somebody uh, uh, sort of make this comment: What food would you get tattooed life size to have for free for the rest Ooh. of your life? If you could pick one, a skyline so, chili cheese coney. I'm not a tattoo guy, but you give me a cheese. Skyline coney. is disgusting. Yeah. I'll say it. You you lost a he's listener. From, he's from up there. You, you lost a listener of my mother-in-law right there. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, one of my kids loves it. Good, Love and it. the rest we'll, of us don't. We'll get lunch sometime. Oh my god! Yeah, but that would yeah. be a pretty decent sized tattoo. You know, I saw somebody. They're this big. What would you get? Uh, I would think just like a steak or something, like just. <laughs> Down the I mean, it would be big too, right? Like you're talking, um, not a specific like a, steakhouse, just a steak. Just, oh, just a steak. I'd get a crate with I, the I'd, potatoes I'd, on the side. Or? I'd get a, I'd get a uh, White House, uh, White Castle uh, crave case. <laughs> your whole, your whole back, Sean's whole back. My whole entire back is just a crave case from White Castle. It goes to the beach. Now are you gonna are you gonna have the dolphin erase first before you get that put on, or just go right on top? <laughs> I think it might look very tasteful to have it jumping over the grave case. Very good, very good. All right. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my You're not hurt? Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry, or, or, sorry. Or your tattoo or your, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm with you. I, I think I'd probably call up, like, uh, Wolfgang's in Manhattan and be yeah, like, yeah. I'm getting a, a steak specific to your restaurant yeah. tattooed on my yeah. left shoulder blade. Okay. Uh, my scene, Red Herd. I was traveling a bunch uh, over the last few days. I went to New York and down to Washington to do a lot of TV. And, uh, but I had a couple of, I had Saturday off and then I had Sunday afternoon off after I did State of the Union. So on Saturday, I drove to some National Park Service National Battlefields. I went to the Battle of Monocacy uh, on my way to Gettysburg. And while in Gettysburg, I saw the Gettysburg Battlefield. The Visitor Center is amazing. The, the, uh, the Cyclorama is amazing. I went to the National Cemetery and had the guide show me exactly where the platform was, where the Gettysburg Address was was delivered. Uh, and then while I was in Gettysburg, I saw, took the shuttle out and saw the Eisenhower Farm, which was incredible. Did you get to play golf there or something? He Well, Ike's putting green. I was like, does anybody ever putt on this? And they're like, well, do you want to? I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. And so the dude goes like into the barn where he kept his little cars and uh, – Whips out a putter and a ball, and I went out there and putted for like five minutes on Ike's putting <laughs> grass. Awesome. It was incredible. And then on Sunday, I drove up to Antietam, and it was mm-hmm. amazing. And and drove to all the auto tour stops and got out and, and went up in the, the observation tower. Antietam was amazing. A new visitor center is coming to Antietam this fall, so I'm looking forward to going back. And then I went over to Harper's Ferry, mm. cool. and uh, and so I just had 
the best time going to these national park installations. It was a beautiful drive. It was a hot weekend up there. But anyway, what I saw uh, reminded me of the courage of people who uh, fought to defend our country and preserve the Union. And uh, I wanted to talk about it. And also just thank the National Park Service staff, volunteers, and interns. Met some interns this weekend. So committed to the history and to the crown jewels of America. So anyway... That's it for me. I'm Scott Jennings. You've been listening to Flyover Country. You know what I think we're going to do next week? Why don't we do this? Why don't we not record the show Wednesday night? Why don't we just record it Saturday night after Fancy Farm? Yeah. And like maybe like do a recap show. Okay. I love it. So we'll take. So here's what we'll do. We'll take Wednesday off next week, and uh, but Saturday night down at Fancy Farm, we'll hop on the RV and uh, we'll record a show. We'll have it out, and it'll be like a, so. We did a pregame and a postgame. Sound good? I love it. That's good. Oh, yeah. All right. Flower Country with Scott Jennings. Take us out, Jared. All right. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.